And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining us on the line is Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you, too. Uh, the first story we have is re- a few weeks ago we talked about uh, an incumbent ripping down signs in the election for district attorney for Riverside. Well, the election was last Tuesday, and he, the uh, incumbent was ousted for district attorney. But you're concerned because the new guy has the backing of the police union. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily bad that, you know, unions are involved or, and that they are backing a candidate. But it, uh, I'm just a little concerned that maybe it's just a little too cozy. And uh, uh, Paul Zellerbach, who was the incumbent, who apparently has been defeated, it was pretty close, and I think they're still doing some recounts, but it, it looks that way that yeah. Zellerbach was defeated. He seemed like, yeah, there were a lot of people that had some problems with him, and he was seen tearing down these signs, which is – um. You know, it's a minor offense, but it's still, you know, you you would think a district attorney wouldn't be doing anything illegal. <laughs> but, well, you would, you would think that, you know, they would raise above, you know, at district attorney level, you would think that he has the education to raise above something that happened in a movie called Election. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, just it's, odd. Wonder about that and just kind of... And then there were there were some claims complaints from within his office of the way he was running things and kind of micromanaging things and yeah I, I I get all that and that might be a lot of people were unhappy with that but there doesn't seem to be in all the reporting I've read a lot uh, about well, what what was his philosophy as far as what you know how was he operating the office as far as doing prosecutions or or. Uh, looking or you know oversight over police and these kinds of things and so then i see the challenger who now appears to be the winner mike hestron who was seemed to be very cozy with the police union and i'm like you heather usually very pro union but i do have some concerns about law enforcement unions prison guards unions these kinds of things because a lot of times their vested interests are against the public interest and so, you know, sometimes police unions, they are in this mindset of like they don't want any more oversight than they have to, you know, than is necessary. They actually want very little oversight. They want to be able to do what they can do uh, without anybody checking in on that, which can be a very bad thing. Or they just, you know, support the officer no matter right or wrong. That's always a bad thing, too. Right. So I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, a lot of things that police unions push, well, as far as when it comes for them pushing for better wages, better benefits and all that, hey, I'm all for that kind of thing. I mean, I think, you know, m- most people are not paid enough. Officers, police officers are paid more than most of the rest of us. But, you know, they do have a dangerous job and everything. And I think they should be paid pretty well. But so that kind of when unions are for those kinds of things, I'm that's great. But I think a lot of times it's like, you know, they don't want people looking in too closely on what the police are doing. And this is a bad thing. We have an epidemic nationwide of police brutality. And so I I don't have any evidence of this, but I just that that is that kind of uh, quid pro quo is going on. But the fact that Hestron is so close with the police union and they put so much money into him, it makes me wonder, you know, how much oversight is going to take place. Speaking of like the epidemic of police brutality that we seem to be go- experiencing, maybe but most because most people have smart cameras. In Hemet, the city is considering to 
using body cameras for their officers. Um, some of the benefits that have happened to other cities that have used this is complaints go down and brutality goes down quite a bit too, or use of force goes down quite a bit too. Yeah, this is another one of those kind of things where, on the one hand, um, kind of against people being videotaped while they're working, but on the other hand, we're talking about something different than the kind of job most people have. We're talking about people that are uh, charged with defending the public and people who have a right to carry uh, deadly weapons and to use deadly force. And so that is necessary sometimes, but as we all know, sometimes deadly force is used in an unnecessary manner. And again, we have this epidemic of police brutality. So when you look at all that, you would say, you know, we probably should be looking a little closer at this. We probably should have better oversight. And so cameras on uh, police officers while they're working, I think that's probably a good idea. And we do have, so the is considering doing this. That would be the first uh, city in Riverside County to do that. We have in local uh, San Bernardino County, the city of Rialto has introduced this. And since they've done it, they uh, have re, uh, use of force by officers has been reduced by as much as 60% and citizens' complaints reduced by as much as 90%. So, I mean, this seems very intuitive and logical that if you're having cameras watching everything, these police officers are not going to go that extra step when they're losing their temper and just kind of beat the crap out of somebody they're going to say whoa somebody's watching me and it's my bosses and the public and i'm going to lose my job and maybe go to jail so i'll just put the cuffs on and take the guy in and not rough him up yeah definitely personally sometimes i i wish i had a camera for customers that are so they're such a big a-hole that i wish i could post it on the web just to see the human interaction between two people and how ab abrasive they are that would be kind of cool <laughs> Yeah, I, I can I can concur with that. <laughs> so, anyways, in certain areas of um, the San Jacinto Valley, they'll be taking water out of Lake Skinner due to the water shortage from our ongoing drought. Um, taking water from Lake Skinner has some issues, and um, talk about some of the issues about that that will involve. Yeah, I think uh, generally the water in Lake Skinner is not used for municipal drinking water. Um, it is maybe used for agriculture, but anyways, it's it's being now used in a way that it's not normally used because of, as you said, the drought. And so it's presenting some problems because it's not a normal drinking water supply. It requires extra purification. And so instead of using just chlorine or some other more benign method, they are having to use chloramines, which uh, is sort of a mix of chlorine and ammonia. Mm -hmm. so ammonia sounds pretty bad to be in drinking water. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like that would be that healthy. So I'm sure it's, it's a very minute amount, and I think they're saying that most people can drink it with no ill effects. But the issues are, uh, if you're a dialysis pa patient, that that this is very bad. You cannot use this kind of water. So they're sending out information leaflets to people in the area they're getting this water uh, if you have a dialysis center or you're a dialysis patient you need to know about this you can't be using this water without further treatment so so that's an issue and the other issues are telling people who have uh, fish have aquariums that they can't use the water for that as well that it'll kill the fish so 
the water coming out of Lake Skinner doesn't have the chloramines in it, so the fish are fine in the lake, but once it comes out, they treat it, add the chloramines, and so becomes a problem. And, you know, not a major thing, but it's just another uh, issue that's come up because of the terrible drought that we're in. Yeah, it's a, it is a really p- terrible drought. And sometimes, like with, you know, the not being able to get enough water and impending glaciers falling into the water or falling into the ocean from global warming, sometimes it feels like we're living in the last 50 years of our species. <laughs> well, there, there are some learned people that don't disagree with that, Heather. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so a surprise from the usual right-wing section from the Press Enterprise? Yeah, that you know, the Press Enterprise is now owned by the Register, uh, but even before it was owned by the Register, it was also very right-wing in its editorial page and had a lot of the same syndicated columnists. And so, I, yeah, I like to look through it every uh, now and then just for giggles. And <laughs> George Will makes my eyes bleed. Yeah, so there'll be George Will and there'll be uh, Hugh Hewitt and all these kind of people, the whole uh, menagerie. <laughs> but we, was, we had one time a news director telling me how smart George Will was, and I'm going, eh. <laughs> uh, I think I think George Will is, is kind of learned and kind of well-read, but I, I don't think he's like really intelligent. He takes the wrong messages from the things he reads. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so exactly, but it was so. It, I went to the editorial page of the Press Enterprise uh, yesterday and was uh, kind of pleasantly surprised. There was a column there uh, by a guy named Wayne Hughes, Wayne Hughes Jr., and he is a former executive of Public Storage and founder of uh, American Commercial Equities. And he founded uh, Serving California, a nonprofit that facilitates healing for military families, crime victims, and inmates looking to rebuild their lives. So that part sounds, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. Um, so he, his column is entitled, uh, titled uh, Mass Incarceration Madness. And I'm like, wait a minute, Mass Incarceration Madness? That's something I usually hear in like left-wing publications or uh, Mike Malloy or <laughs> Tom Hartman or someone like that talking about it. And it's like, wow, he is bringing up that we have this epidemic of that just locking up way too many people and it's all part of this prison industrial complex and it's all about money and uh that it's terrible and i i just like i was just kind of in shock that uh, a conservative was talking about this because you never you know conservatives always seem to be let's lock up more and more people and kind of actually so i think he's done some prison ministries been involved with prison ministries and kind of seen this and heard the stories and, and seeing how a lot of these people were not like horrible people they were in for like minor drug crimes and they had addiction issues which are really medical issues and it kind of like a light bulb went off so i i'm hopeful now that conservatives or at least this one fairly well-known conservative is uh starting to see the light on this issue oh definitely and i think that's kind of the way forward for christians if they ever want to like stop they they're they are kind of perceived within the gay community as pariahs because of how they treat us as far as prop eight goes and stuff other stuff like that you know if they start getting into social justice issues like prison reform you know that would start taking away some of the 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 ugly feelings i personally have towards the right-wing movement yeah i agree let's let's uh try to keep that hope alive yeah it'd be a great coalition to stop you know that's another thing that our tax dollars supports and we, we can't support that anymore, obviously. 
Um, so Robert Larson, he comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Thank you for being on the show again uh, this week. Oh, it's always my pleasure. And of course, this is the Heather McCoy Show. <laughs>